0: Welcome to the Q Podcast, where we discuss all things related to building godly families and raising children of character. I'm Candace Nasser, your host and the founder of MomQ. Our episodes include both teaching messages and personal interviews that address highly relevant topics of today from a biblical perspective. Our current message series is called Building a Strong Family. As moms, we want to create a nurturing, safe environment where our children feel loved and valued by us and God. But what is the best way to do that in this series we address topics like how to set our family priorities deal with anxiety in our homes and be peacemakers just to name a few we hope you are challenged and encouraged by these messages
1: how's everybody doing so glad to see y'all back some of you I haven't seen in a little bit so i'm glad y'all are back um Today, we are going to talk about anxiety. Here we go. Oop, got to turn that on. Anxiety. Anxiety is a, is a word that may be activating you already. Today, <laughs> in our current Western culture, the word anxiety comes, comes up a lot when we're talking about children and the environment that they're growing up in. With the proliferation of technology through handheld media, children are exposed to more and more messages around the globe 24 7. So are we. I'm not sure when I was born in 1975 if people were talking about anxiety like they are today, but I can tell you that anxiety has always existed. It isn't a new problem. And not that it's a problem, but it has always existed. And today, we talk about it pretty casually and commonly. So, as we unpack what to, how to deal with in our home, I wanted to start by just sharing with you that, for me, this is a personal um, thing that I've personally struggled with. Um, I realize, as I've explored my childhood, that I had a lot of separation anxiety as a child. I was constantly fearful of abandonment. I had fear of death. Um, I had stomach issues constantly. And as I gained independence, when I got my driver's license and I could get a job, I traded that separation anxiety for the anxiety of approval of others. So through my performance, through just always trying to measure up. And ultimately, I had an underlying fear that was behind all that saying, well, you're not as good as you think you are. You're gonna be exposed. People are gonna find out you're a fraud. You're just really not as capable and as smart as they think you are. So that anxiety was beneath my surface then I became a mom and then my whole world blew up because at some point what we try to push down and manage just becomes unmanageable and I remember it was about a year after Sam who was my youngest son was born I was reaching into the cupboard I don't know why I said cupboard but the cabinets (laughs) (laughs) to grab a plate and the Lord just in that moment revealed to me Annie do you see what's happening in your life Every day you're waking up anticipating going back to sleep. That's not healthy. I think you should get somebody, talk to somebody about this. So in that moment, the Lord revealed to me a need that I didn't even know I had. Thank God he did, and probably it was because of the prayers of others around me, the prayers that I was just petitioning the Lord, because at at that point, I did have faith in God and in Jesus Christ as my Savior. I knew that he was um, there to help me, to carry me, but I was to a place medically, in a sense, where I was depressed. My anxiety had turned to depression. And so today, I speak on this topic from personal experience. The reality is I'm not a licensed professional counselor. I'm just an investigator. I'm a researcher. I'm a lifelong learner seeking to find out what the Bible says and apply it to transforming my life along with medical science. How does that um, play in as well? So just wanted to make sure we have that disclaimer as I get started. So let's start by looking at the question, what is anxiety? We hear the word a lot. Let's define it. Anxiety, interestingly, is a normal, did we hear that? Anxiety is a normal response to stress. It's an emotion. It's a thing that happens in the amygdala of our brain that sends a message that then needs to be decoded and processed. Anxiety is an emotion, not an illness. We hear about anxiety and we automatically think of illness, disorder, etc., Anxiety is not an illness, it's an emotion. And emotions are not good or bad. We can't put values on emotions, it's our response and our reaction through those emotions that we need to look at. Anxiety, interestingly, also is a secondary emotion. So secondary means there's a primary, and the primary emotion that activates, that turns on anxiety, is fear. Fear is a response to an immediate threat. Fear is an emotional response to immediate present danger. It's usually pretty short and happens in that moment. Anxiety is birthed from that fear and it becomes a long-term ongoing uh, forecasting of the future. It's expectations of what's to come. So there is a difference. We often interchange the two words together, but I wanted to point out that there is a difference. Now, fear and anxiety can become a disorder and I'm not minimizing that at all. Clearly, from my own story, I've struggled with generalized anxiety disorder my whole life. As a child, I had separation anxiety. Everyone in my circle one and two, if you heard that talk, <laughs> they have anxiety. It's um, popped up in my home often, and so we have learned how to observe it and respond to it, and even seek medical um, help in it. So I'm not minimizing that, but for today, because not everybody has an anxiety disorder, but everyone does struggle with anxiety. Today, I want to focus on the normal levels of anxiety that we face, regardless of our neurochemistry. So what does anxiety do? It activates our fight, flight, or freeze response. It could be good. It informs our brains of a danger or a perceived threat and prepares us to respond. So think about a toddler, your toddler, who doesn't know how to swim, is walking next to the pool, and they're close to the edge and they're about to fall in. Well, mommies, immediately, fear activates our body, the blood rushes in, our heart races, and we run to get them. And that's good. That's not bad. That's a God-given response. Think about this. Your kid is hanging out over here, not paying attention, another kid's over here with a big bat swinging it, and you're thinking, oh, no, he doesn't see. That bat is coming for his head. You jump in to intervene. Or your kid is on the driveway learning to ride their bike, headed down the driveway, and you see, because you've learned to look, there's a car coming quickly. You're going to jump and respond. That anxiety is good. That fear is good. It helps protect. All of these situations have merit the anxiety that you're feeling. So here's some other triggers that may not have an immediate threat, but that alarm—the anxiety in us—a deadline at work. Um, if you have a project you've got to get done, you might get a little anxious. Every time I need to teach, I start getting a little anxious. I start thinking, "Okay, I got to prepare. I got to." My senses get a little heightened, especially the day before. I'm like, "Okay, what do I do?" You know, it keeps me going. It's how I get things done. It motivates me. That is a good anxiety. Or a trip coming up, I'm actually traveling next week. So in the back of my head, I've been thinking, okay, what is the weather going to be? What do I need to pack? You know, anticipating the future, and it's causing a little heightened awareness. But then there are situations like your child's report card, or maybe an email from a teacher about missing work. If you have any child in middle school or high school, I'm sure that you've experienced this, it completely paralyzes at the moment, it can activate anxiety in us because, well, there's a lot of messages we start receiving. Also, the loss of a job or financial insecurity, uh, a stock market crash, those could trigger some anxiety. And the last one that we'll talk about is discovering something like a text message on your kid's phone or maybe your husband's phone. And even now, as I say these things, some of you are experiencing anxiety because you've experienced these things, but let's look at each situation um, and why, What what's going on here. Remember, anxiety is an emotion, not an illness. Emotions give us information that we have to sort through and make decisions about. So, those grades, that report card, what happens? Well, we can get messages, there's no immediate danger, everyone's breathing, everyone's okay, but all of a sudden, we might start thinking ahead, oh no, they're not doing well. They're gonna not do well. They're not gonna succeed. They're not gonna get to the next grade. They're not gonna graduate. They're not gonna go to college. They're not gonna get a job. They're gonna live with me forever. Wow, where did I go, right? That's when anxiety starts to spiral. Or maybe for your child, honestly. They start to see their grades and they start to feel like, I'm stupid. I'm not as good as everybody. I'm worthless. Why am I even doing this? I'm I'm a disappointment to my parents. Well, that kid gets uh, rewarded for their A's, and I made a B, so I must be a failure. Something as subtle as that can start to create messages and anxiety in us and in our children. The text messages, well, that's a really hard one. The evidence is in black and white. It's truth. There is, in black and white, something on a message. Again, you're safe, everyone's breathing but all of a sudden the flood of emotion takes over. Anyone in this situation starts to feel catastrophic, feeling a sense of hopelessness. So I've been or witnessed one of all of these situations. They all warrant fear and anxiety that comes in the moment. So if anxiety is natural and a normal response, what's the problem? So the anxiety we're gonna talk about today though is this. The anxiety we're talking about anticipates the future and tries to control it. It's the response of control that we're talking about today. So let's dive in. What's the problem with anxiety? What does the Bible say? Anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down. Weighs it down. What does that mean to weigh down your heart? Well, this is what it means. It says it bows down. It causes the spirit of your heart to bow low. I thought about the ice storm we had and that ice that came on the trees and then the the tree branches just bow down. That's what anxiety is doing. It's pushing you down. First of all, anxiety weighs down the heart by pulling it to pits of hopelessness and fear. Anxiety is a state of hopelessness. Again, anxiety is a state of hopelessness. It leads us into catastrophic thinking, analysis paralysis, the what ifs, what if, what if, what if, and I can never make a decision because I'm trying to weigh all the what ifs. Anxiety distracts and disorders our minds, leaving us unsure, of what to hope in. If we're hopeless, it means we're no longer hoping in anything because the object of our hope has just dropped, right? If that text message reveals something in your child or in your marriage, automatically that is a threat and that has dropped and now your hope is gone because that was what you were hoping in. You were hoping in your child to never struggle. You were hoping in your marriage to always have faithfulness and whatnot. That's gone, hopelessness. Anxiety ultimately leads to depression. Second, anxiety weighs down the heart, so it becomes our emotions become dysregulated. This is my clinical term for today dysregulated. So, what does it mean to be dysregulated? Well, let's look at regulation. Regulation refers to the ability to manage your emotions. In our church language, we would say your ability to have self control. Emotional dysregulation is a term that describes an emotional response that is poorly regulated and does not fall within the traditionally accepted range of emotions. Right? Certain situations, when your toddler's falling in the pool, you get excited, right? When you find out someone has betrayed you, you get excited. Those things are emotionally, they're, they're good. But when your child gets a B on a test and the world crumbles, that's a problem. That's not, you shouldn't crumble over a B. By the way, Bs are really good. And Cs, you know what? Passing is a real a victory for some people. So, anxiety weighs us down so their emotions become dysregulated. As moms, we need to teach our children how to regulate their emotions by keeping the big things need to stay big. And what are those big things? The big things are God and his kingdom, Period. God and his kingdom are the big things, and we need to keep the little things little. Grades, performance, achievement, those things are little. We don't earn favor with God. He descended, he condescended to this earth. He humbled himself on a cross. He came to get us, we didn't earn that. And we don't want our children thinking they need to earn approval or earn love earn worth and value. So those things, as we make God big and keep the little things little, then we learn to help our children and ourselves regulate our responses to the things that feel big. Okay? We have to remember, what we know to be big and what we feel to be big can often conflict. And that's what fear and anxiety do. They send a message to our amygdala that says, This feels really big, which then it needs to go to our frontal cortex, our logic center, to say, sort it out, to pull from the file cabinet. What do I know to be true? Is this big or is this not big, right? And this happens very quickly and way more medically technical. Again, I'm not a licensed uh, professional, but you get what I'm saying. Keep the big things big and the small things small. And then next. We must, oh, sorry, there we go. We must learn to teach our children to respond, not react. Respond, not react. We can't ignore anxiety. It's going to worsen over time. It's going to worsen over time. Sometimes anxiety, honestly, anxiety can misread a situation. All right? Our anxiousness can miss, in our... Our current reality is informed by our recent past. So if you've recently been in a car accident and you're in a car taking a left and your accident happened when you were taking a left and you were hit, the next time you take a left turn, you're informed by that accident that you just had. And so you might have a dysregulated response to the left turn. That might feel big and you might misread the situation. You're really safe and everything's okay, but we need to, to watch that anxiety. Scripture from Genesis to Revelation says, don't worry, don't fear, don't be anxious, cast your cares on him. Who can add a single hour to his life by worrying? On and on and on. It says, take your thoughts captive, renew your thinking. Your heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. The Bible is clear. We will have anxious thoughts and it will come. And it will try to hijack our peace. Anxiety weighs down the heart and steals the fruit of peace which can cause, lead to instability in the home. And I would say in our hearts as well. Anxiety will rob us of the peace God intended for us. Now there are two kinds of peace. There's objective and subjective peace. Objective peace is where we have peace in the Middle East, right? Warring countries come to an agreement to not fight against each other. That's objective from the outside. The peace we're talking about is an internal, because what did Christ do for us when he died on the cross? He, he tore down the dividing wall, the barriers that separate us from God. While we were enemies of God, Jesus came and he rescued us and made us, we could have friendship with God, relationship, intimacy, face to face. So our objective um, hostility with God has now been restored through Christ. If we have accepted him as our savior, we now have peace in the relationship. But do we have peace internally? Well, all of us in here recognize that at times we don't have peace. And does that mean I don't have Jesus? Does that mean I don't have salvation? No. What that means is that I'm in a battle of the flesh and the spirit. When we become believers in Christ, it says no one can snatch us out of his hand. We are safe in our salvation. But we will battle the flesh constantly. The spirit versus the flesh. Anything that is not the object of our affection that is God and his kingdom will hijack it. And so the Spirit comes, and like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we dip into that well from the Spirit to fill ourselves up, to pour out. And what comes with the fruit of the Spirit? Peace. And by the way, the fruit of the Spirit, fruit is a singular word. There's one fruit. It has several parts, love, joy, peace, and so on. So if you have peace you get it all. And if you don't have peace, you're losing it all. It's really important to remember that the peace of God comes through the Spirit who was given to us at the point of salvation. So what we meditate on and what we're anxious about becomes the one thing our hearts turn to, revealing what we're trusting in or hoping for. So I love this. When the things that we are focused on is anything but God, the foundation we stand on is sinking sand. Right? Have y'all, do y'all remember the, um, the, the hymn that says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I need to go lower. All other ground is sinking sand. Ladies, we're either standing on the rock or we're standing on sa- sand. The problem with anxiety, it is sinking sand. Anxiety is sinking sand. Because anxiety is hopelessness. And the rock is hope. That's where we find our hope. So let's see if I got through all these slides here. Yeah. Okay. So we're not talking about avoiding anxiety. We can't. We're talking about learning to deal and respond to it. The Christian life guarantees, guarantees, ladies, guarantees trouble so how do we respond we're going to look at Philippians 4 4 through 8 and find the response that God actually commands this isn't really an option he doesn't say if you would like to he says do this and this is what he says he says rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again rejoice let your graciousness be known to everyone the Lord is near so what is this to rejoice. Joy is the opposite of that hopelessness. Joy is the opposite of hopelessness. Joy is hope in God, in his promises, that he's going to fulfill what he promised us. Joy is hoping that it's true. See, at the end it says, the Lord is near. What does that mean? We know that he's near us, but it really means he's coming back. Get ready. This was the early church. First The first believers knew they were anticipating Christ's return. He's just gone, and they're thinking, oh, he's coming back next week. I mean, that's really where they were at. That's where we need to be back. Now, it was over 2,000 years ago, so we are like, maybe there'll be another 2,000. We have no idea. But I can tell you what, in my deep, dark places that I've gone, the one thing that has drawn me out, the only thing that has drawn me out is the hope that someday he's coming back. That I'm not going to be stuck in this pit forever. That he is coming. The Lord is near. So that's why we can rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Now that little part about graciousness to everyone, right before this, he's talking about two women who are in in an argument. He's like, ladies, y'all need to get along. Because my church is um, about joy and it's about hope. And your disagreement is not working. So that graciousness means this. It means um, gentleness and a spirit of, I'm going to find it, the spirit of, let's see, it's okay. Anyhow, it's basically a spirit of understanding. So he's saying, have joy, be understanding with each other because everyone's watching and I'm coming back, so get ready. Have hope. So our point from that is What's the right response to anxiety? And I would say, not necessarily the right, but I would say the biblical response, which I would also say is the right response, is to rejoice in the hope of Christ and his return. Rejoice in the hope and his return. The next part of this verse so he's telling us, rejoice always. That's how he starts. Get some joy, get some hope. And then he says, do not worry. Or be anxious. He starts with joy, now he works to anxious. He says, but, he says, don't do this, but he's implying do this. And by the way, this is to a corporate audience. This letter is to the church. This is to everybody. This isn't just to one person, just one person in the room, rejoice. It's all of us. And now it's not just one person in the room, don't worry, but it's all of us. It says, y'all don't worry. But in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So take So so take that anything, don't be anxious about anything. Julie reminded us last week, uh, not about one single thing. Don't be anxious about one single thing. But in every single thing, do what? Pray. Present it to God with thanksgiving. And then what's going to happen? And then when you do that, when you take that anxious thought, you pour it into prayer, the result is peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. You're not going to understand it. You'll be like, how did that happen? I don't understand. Well, good, because that's what God promises. It will surpass all understanding, and it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love this part about the guarding your heart. I was thinking about this. Peace is like the amygdala of our brain. It receives our anxious thoughts in prayer. It takes it. It becomes the processing center. If we're processing with God's peace, then it goes to our thinking brain, and then through Christ, it gives us the message. Peace is the amygdala of our brain, and we get that peace through prayer, and we, get that, we go to prayer through that anxiety. So anxious thoughts should trigger prayer conversations. Anxious thoughts. Turn our anxious thoughts into prayer conversations that should lead to peace. They should lead to peace. Peace is single-minded. It is to the glory of God alone. Now, the interesting thing is in these, this prayer, again, it's with thanksgiving. What does that mean? It means you start with gratitude. We start with, God, I'm anxious, I'm coming to you, and I'm really grateful, God, that you love me so much that you're going to answer this according to your good will for me. I'm not coming to you expecting a specific result and a plan. I'm just trusting you. Thank you that I can trust you. I am anxious, Lord, and this is what I'm anxious about. I'm giving it to you. If we come to God with an approach with pride, demanding a specific outcome, let me just tell you from experience, God will just wait on that. He'll be like, uh, you can hold on, Annie. You need to just get your heart back, right? Philippians 2, have the same attitude as Christ, who did what? Laid down his life. Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, right? But humbled himself. He's like, you need to go back to Philippians 2, and then you can come back to Philippians 4, right? Get your attitude. It says, the attitude we are to have cannot be protest, that demand our agenda to be accepted, right? We don't go to God in protest. Now, we can go to God upset and activated, and we can be emotional with God. He loves that. He's like, bring it, because that means we're, we're coming to him face to face in intimacy. But we go with thanksgiving. God, thank you that I can come to you and greet. Thank you that you're going to help me regulate these emotions through the amygdala of peace in my brain. Thank you, Lord. We're going to go in prayer with thanksgiving. Next. And this is the last part. So Philippians is the letter he wrote to the church. And this is towards the end. He says, finally. So, Okay. You know, it's like when you leave home, maybe you're going on a trip, it's the last thing you're telling your husband, like, okay, finally, just remember this, right? Remember this. Maybe you forgot everything else. He says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, any moral excellence, anything praiseworthy, dwell on those things. He gave a big list. I'm glad that at the end he just said, if there's anything praiseworthy, because that's the only part of that verse I can remember. Maybe I should challenge my brain that um, if anything is praiseworthy, dwell on those things. Dwell. Let's see. Dwell on whatever is true and praiseworthy. That's my summary of that verse. True and praiseworthy. True and praiseworthy. What does it mean to dwell? It means to think about. To think and think and think and think and keep thinking and thinking, keep thinking and keep talking about it. It means to calculate, to consider. This word in the Greek is, deals with reality. This word was used like, an account, like a, in a bank account. You look at the balance, it says you got $25, well, what, how much money do you have? 25, if you go to the store and try to spend 50, well, that's just not reality. Though you want it to be, it's not. This word deals with reality, facts. It's not suppositions. Again, there is no room for the what ifs. There is only room for the I am. Who even if the worst thing happens, he is still I am. What if needs to turn upside down to the even if. And there's a story in the Bible with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They won't bow to Nebuchadnezzar's statue. He says, well, into the fire with you. And they said, okay, we're going. And And they're like, and even if, even if God doesn't save us, he's still God. Even if I don't get the results, he's still going to be God. Talk about anxiety, getting thrown in a fire. That would require a lot of faith and praying. Sand activates anxiety. Sand is the temporary things of this world. Eternal perspective, kingdom perspective produces internal joy. Peace, calm. We know that anxiety, is it really is physical at times. There's just this, this uh, murmur in our hearts, in our bodies, the clamminess, just the excitement we feel, the tension, the quick-temperedness we, we get because we're short-tempered. Peace is just the cal- It is truly a calming, physical thing that can occur when we focus on the blessed controller of all things. So... The big idea is at the top of your page. Strong families dwell on the peace of God. Oh, on the God of peace. We don't just dwell on the peace of God, we dwell on the God of peace. He is the God. There's only one God, the true God, and he's a God of peace, he's a God of love, he's a God of joy, he's a God of faithfulness, righteousness, he is the God of self-control. He's the God of our amygdala. He's the God of our minds and here's my warning. The warning is that anxious homes are trusting in sandy soil. I think it's a good check. When you feel anxious, just go do a soil check. What am I thinking about? Is this eternal? Is this temporary? Is this sandy, or is this firm rock, right? Let the peace transform, and when that happens, and let me just say, I've joked with our teaching team about this, about teaching anxiety. I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, never doing this again. Talk about ang- anxious week. Like, I didn't realize how anxious I was until I started meditating on it. But even the smallest thing, I had a conversation on the phone yesterday and it kind of went wrong, and I started getting anxious. I started thinking about it. I was like, I'm anxious, Lord. I'm just giving it to you, right? Just even the little, smallest things. I discovered something with one of my kids anxious, fear, cat- catastrophize. No, serious, God. I'm not in control. I'm not in control, I'm responsible for me, to him, it's all good, right? Just capture those sandy thoughts, turn them into rock-solid thoughts. So, the encouragement is that anxious homes can find peace by turning to the rock. Ladies, you're going to be anxious, sand is going to come in, right? If you've ever been to the beach, it is very invasive, especially when you have little ones. They're just a mess, I mean, you just want to hose them down and just throw away everything, Right? So sand is invasive. We got to get it out. We got to put them on the rock. And that's even interesting because when you want to wash sand off, you want to get on the concrete. You want to get on a space where you can push it away. We got to get on that rock. So what can you do? So what's practical? Well, the word of God is super practical, by the way. (laughs) It is practical, but how do we apply this? So there's a couple of things. What we need to do in our homes is that we need to recognize anxiety in the home. We need to recognize it. We need to name what it is. We can't ignore it. We need to, and one way to notice it, just a couple practical things, and I'm not going to get deep into this, but but ways to notice anxiety in your kids, uh, you look for changes in behavior, decreased motivation, maybe uh, physical complaints constantly, stomach aches, headaches. Academic struggles, social isolation, things they used to enjoy, they stop enjoying. Changes in eating habits. It's a big issue with girls and eating disorders now. You know, body image, body dysmorphia, or just, I can't remember the word. Anyhow, eating disorders. Um, We need to recognize, we need to pay attention, be alert. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. It doesn't mean it's going to be catastrophic, right? But even the smallest changes are real. And we want to attend to those in our children quickly so that we can help them learn to regulate their emotions and be healthy, wise, balanced adults someday. It's very important that you don't mirror your child's anxiety back to them. If your kid comes to you all crazy and upset, don't get all crazy and upset back. I was so reactionary as a mom, I'm confessing now, I, my kids would just, I just, all of a sudden, I just snap. I mean, it was the worst thing I could have done. Where was, where was my smart brain back then? I don't know. I would just react back to them. That's so childish. We are adult women. We are mature, and we can can be the adult in the room. Stay the adult, don't mirror it. Maintain your boundaries as well. So hard, we've talked about that codependency a little bit, just kind of feeding off of other people's issues. We're on a set the boundary. Here's me, there's you. I'm okay, you're not okay. Would you like some help? Oh, okay, that's fine. Right, say the boundary but recognize anxiety, model to your children, even share with them. Mommy's kind of anxious right now. I'm recognizing, I'm thinking about this, but you know what God says is true? And and talk about that, because that will really bring freedom. It'll bring a conversation 15 years down the road that you never anticipated, because you laid that foundation, that rock. Now, I've not only navigated this personally, but each of my children has as well, and their stories are their stories to tell, so I'm not going to broadcast it to the world but I did ask them I said guess what I'm talking about anxiety in the home and they all laughed and I said I guess I've got some practice at this as I looked at the calendar and we've got some counseling appointments psychiatrist appointment all on the calendar I was like I guess Lord, you've been equipping me to talk about this the reality is at first when it appeared in each of my kids it felt so big whoo it became, I was like, get out of my way. You need to help my kid. Why isn't, you know, you know I got big because my emotions were big. But what I needed to do was really turn to the big God and say, God, you've got this. This is not a surprise to you. He is surprised by nothing, nothing. He's not even surprised by the way I reacted. But when it comes, it does feel big. But just know, there are trust, make sure you have support around you. Trusted people Your mentors, friends, trusted people that you can turn to to help you navigate those those struggles. Our verse at the beginning, oh, and then this model with prayer. This is my big one for y'all. And I have this on your um, sheet. Model with prayer. That verse in Philippians tells us to pray to the God of peace. We pray to the God of peace. This isn't on, it's on the far back. Present your problems to him, right? Present your requests. Place down your anxious thoughts. Put them down, ladies. Everybody, put your hands out. You take it, you present it, and what do you do? Come on, put it down. Everybody, put your hands out, put it down. Put it at the cross, place it down, and then pick up the peace, right? Again, pour in, let the spirit come in and the peace come in. As we lay down anxiety, we leave room for peace. And when we're filled with peace, there's no room for anxiety. It's not both at the same time. They can't coexist. You know what can coexist, though, is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So that's why I want to leave you with this last verse. Though anxiety in a person's heart weighs him down, but an encouraging word brings him joy. I hope this word today has encouraged you and brings you joy. Prayer beats anxiety let's pray god we uh we're just so thankful that you are not surprised by one single thing that happens though we are excited about things that happen they feel big and they feel overwhelming we thank you that your peace passes our understanding god remind us of philippians 4 6 through 7 help us to meditate on those verses day and night help us to remember that help us to take our problems Put them at your cross, lay them down, and pick up your peace. God, help these moms, whatever is ahead for them. God, we know you're always preparing us for the trials ahead. God, help them to remember your word is true. May your peace be the amygdala of their brain. Guard their minds, guard their hearts. God, help them to pass this on to their children so that your kingdom can continue.
0: If you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, we wanna thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if so, please feel free to share it with others who might be interested. You can also give us feedback in the comments section and we would love to hear from you. If you have any questions about anything you heard today or would like to suggest topics for us to cover in the future, message us on Instagram and Facebook at momq512. We'll see you back here in just a couple of weeks.